episode 178 of the shock shock Knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network sean st Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and nba talk on a holiday weekend we're recording on the wednesday thanksgiving is tomorrow for me you guys will already be digging into leftovers by the time i'm sure that this podcast goes out on the friday always love this time of year it's a great time of year for sports great time of year for family for friends first and foremost of course um jam-packed weekend if you're a sports fan of multiple sports uh we'll get to the Knicks road trip and upcoming uh tough tough schedule the it just doesn't get easier for the Knicks going into December as well but the Knicks finished the road trip stronger than I think any of us could have hoped for we'll get to that in just a second we'll talk about the the injuries the Knicks are going through and also the the potential trade for either Rose or quickly we'll touch on that as well in a second first and foremost um, I do want to say happy Thanksgiving hope you're all enjoying the weekend with your family with your friends like I said there's a lot to watch Knicks have a couple games during the holiday weekend so there's NBA to watch uh, there's NFL games to watch as well on Thursday. And then, of course, throughout the weekend as well. There's a, for God's sake, there's a there's an autumn and winter World Cup going on. Thanks to the uh, inhumane acts and bribery and corruption for FIFA. So the, the men's national team, the U.S. men's national team is playing on Friday against England as well. And I'm sure there's multiple... Uh, you know, people out there that root for multiple national teams or have other national teams besides the U.S. that they root for. So it's it's a big weekend for sports fans everywhere. It really is. NBA, NFL, World Cup, you name it. I mean, men's and women's college basketball, Feast Week, throughout the week and the weekend as well. Everything under the sun. A cornucopia, a potpourri of sports to watch throughout the weekend. Let's stick on the hardwood. Let's get to the Knicks. Let's get to the NBA talk. We'll touch on the, again, we'll do another state of the NBA in the second half of the show, but let's touch on the Knicks and the road trip first and foremost. The, the road trip, and we, as we talked about last time, it started out so well. Again, the Knicks have kind of been missing that marquee win against a, a team at full strength this season, but the Knicks still have quality wins. They've beaten quality opposition. They started off the road trip with, I thought, Two very good wins against the Utah Jazz team that had been surging the start of the season. They've kind of fallen back down to earth a little bit, partly in in uh, in turn because the Knicks had played well and they took them down in that first game. So they kind of helped the <laughs> the Jazz slight you know slightly float back down to earth a little bit after their crazy good start, considering what they lost during the off season. Then without without uh, Nikola Jokic to be fair the Knicks end that drought in Denver that they've had for so many years and win for the first time there in almost two decades get that out of the way as well and that was a big win as well honestly because again going into the road trip I I would have thought three wins out of five at a minimum would have been a, a successful road trip for the Knicks but then we go to Golden State where the Knicks had a really really bad first quarter um again the golden state and we've talked about this the the home and road splits with them is jarring i think is the best word to use pretty shocking how bad they've been on the road this season and currently they're one and nine away from the bay area 
this season. But they're seven and one at home, the champs. And the Knicks kind of fell into that buzzsaw in the first quarter. And, and I said this, you know, I, I wrote the the re, one of the recaps, the instant recap on on the postgetosting.com website after we broke down the game. And I, I just felt from the beginning, as soon as that first quarter ended, I, I thought, oh boy, this is a, this could be a turning point of this. Not only of this game, but of the road trip. Of the road trip in general. Is this where the Knicks kind of run out of gas and start to go, start to teeter in the wrong direction? That that was my whole thought. The, the Knicks were outscored by 16 in that first quarter. And to me, that, that already felt kind of like game over. Because it's Golden State. It's on the road. The champs have been dominant at home this season. They've beaten better teams there than the Knicks this season. You know, they, they just had better performances already, and you've spotted them 16 points. You know, their death lineup is out there. It's clicking on all cylinders. But to be fair, the Knicks fought back. They, they, the Knicks got it to single digits multiple times. I think the closest they got it was maybe six or seven, five, maybe. I forget the closest the Knicks got it. Julius Randle, you know, didn't have a great game, but he hit some tough shots to get the Knicks back into the game. And honestly, you know, I was looking at the numbers before I started recording. Jalen Brunson has a half-decent game. Even despite the poor first quarter, Knicks would have been right in it. Would have been right in it down the stretch, but just too much of a mountain to climb against a, a Golden State team that is just so, so tough to beat in that new arena or newer arena of theirs. And again... On the road is apparently where you want to, you know, when, when Golden State leaves, right, they take the show on the road, that's where you, that <laughs> you have them right where you want them, apparently, this year. Only one road win. It just came recently as well. The Warriors have been so poor away from home this season. But at home, they're still the Death Star. They're, they're still very tough to get uh, to get a hold of and to, de- and to defeat, I should say. And Golden State won at 111-101. And, and to be honest with you, I... I went away from that game a little bit dejected as a fan because I knew Phoenix was next and I I didn't really think the Knicks were going to play well in that game it felt like they put used so much energy to try to get back into that game against Golden State that the way Phoenix likes to play they're just as quick on the offensive end of the floor if not quicker than Golden State is I felt like the Knicks could be in some trouble and again I have to give the Knicks a little bit of credit the first half they played well. They hung tough. It was a two-point game, I believe, at the half. And then Phoenix absolutely blitzed them in the second half. And I think they outscored them by 18 in half number two. And I know Golden State has their death lineup. If Phoenix isn't a death lineup, it's the next toughest thing. They're so difficult when Cameron Payne and Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton... When they're clicking, and they were clicking, especially Booker and Payne, and there's others, Mikhail Bridges, they're so tough with that starting lineup that when they're rolling, there's not much you can do. And they were rolling in the second half. I think think Phoenix hit 17 threes for the game. I think the Knicks only hit seven. It was something something drastic like that. It, It was a clinic from Phoenix on the offensive end of the floor in the second half. And then you start to worry about the the Knicks road trip 
at that point? Are the Knicks about to kind of throw this road trip away? And are they going to crash back down and, and be under 500 going into, again, we'll talk about it, but it's a tough stretch to not only finish the month, but really up until Christmas or after Christmas, the Knicks have a brutal schedule. It's really tough. The NBA in, in general this season is extremely deep in the East and in the West. There's not many really bad teams this season. And the Knicks, uh, you know, again, they fought in that first half. They gave us a little bit of hope. I, to be honest, I had low expectations going into the game. And the Knicks kept themselves in with a shot at it in that second half. And then, boy, it unraveled. It unraveled very, very quickly in the third. And it carried over into the fourth. And again, it's a sign of that inconsistency that the Knicks have. But again, it's the fourth game of a five game West coast road trip. I think the Knicks really, you know, ran out of gas, especially in the third quarter. And you can't give Phoenix at home an opening to, to exploit because they are going to run through that. Their, Their offense is so, so tough. And I believe the final was 116 95. And after that game, you kind of, for this road trip, you're kind of thinking, all right, now OKC's next. And OKC just put 145 on the Knicks at the Garden. This felt like a game where the Knicks should feel like they need to win it. You know, not just because to finish the road trip on a high note and to go into Thanksgiving with you know, a very positive attitude, but OKC just ran you ragged on your home floor. Put up 145 on your home floor. You can't let them do that and get away with it. That's what it felt like to me. You you got to go back to OKC and right that wrong. And one of the other reasons, because the Knicks don't play golden, uh, beg your pardon, the Knicks don't play OKC again this season. I believe this is the only other time they play them. So two times in an eight-day span, the Knicks play OKC, and I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong in, in the comments or, or uh, on Twitter, um, I don't think the Knicks play OKC again this season. Regardless, it, it's a huge, huge game for revenge purposes, but also to finish off this five-game road trip in a very positive manner. And I'll tell you what, the Knicks did that. The Knicks did that in every way. 34 points from Jalen Brunson. R.J. Barrett was tremendous. Quentin Grimes coming back into the fold. Played a huge role, I thought. Gave them a little bit of a boost. And despite losing Mitchell Robinson in the game, and we'll get to that in a second, Knicks are banged up all of a sudden. I thought the Knicks played extremely well. Extremely well. And and listen, the, the usuals, Dort and... Shea Gilders, Alexander, and Giddy, like, they played well again for OKC. They played well again. All of them had big nights. Uh, SGA, I think, had 30. Lugens Dorn, I think, played even better than he did in, in the in the game at the Garden. So he shined as well. But the Knicks outplayed Golden... Uh, keep mixing them up. Outplayed OKC for almost the entire game. Almost the entirety of the game. I was extremely impressed with the way the Knicks handled it. And they found some energy. They found some energy. I'll tell you what helped. Emmanuel quickly off the bench had 18 points. That was crucial. That felt very important for the Knicks to get a boost from elsewhere. 
And they did. Brunson had 34 and 9 assists. One of his best games as a Nick, if not his best. He continues to shine. I believe it's his best points total as a Nick. I believe. 34 points. Might be a career high, actually. He was just tremendous. And the Knicks won 129. 119, fittingly enough, after losing 145 to 135. Um, really, really strong. Uh, and, and it was a season high for Jalen Brunson. So a Nick high, 34 points. Randall at 25. The Knicks won by 10. Got some revenge on OKC. And I, at least according to ESPN, uh, that's the last time these two play this season. So very, very happy with the way the Knicks finished it off. And finished the road trip. Three out of five on a West Coast trip where four of the five teams you played are contenders, if not championship contenders. Very, very, very impressive. And I think you have to feel good at nine and nine. Knicks are ninth, I believe, in the East at nine and nine, fittingly enough. And I think the Knicks can enjoy Turkey Day feeling like they're still very much in this. You just came off a very tough stretch. Now, I believe six of the next seven that the Knicks player at MSG got to take advantage of that. It's going to be tough. I mean, the Knicks are a little bit banged up. Like I just said, Derek Rose and Cam Reddish are banged up. And now Mitchell Robinson joins them with a, with, I think a sore knee on top of that. But you know, it was great to see Quentin Grimes come back into the lineup and produce produce had a great game against OKC in, in, in the minutes he showed looks healthy again and I think that could be really really good for the Knicks moving forward it was a solid win against the OKC Thunder one that you can be really happy with and a road trip in the end you could be really happy with if you're the New York Knicks like I said now you build on it but I I said going into the road trip if you give me three out of five if you give me three out of five I'll take it Nick fans should take it and you put yourself in, in a very, very good position moving into a very difficult end of the month, starting with Portland next at MSG. They're playing well. Damian Lillard, if he's available, I think he's available, uh, is always a very tough customer. And then including that game, six of the next seven are at home. It's a very, very important stretch coming up for the Knicks. You took advantage of some tough games on the road. You got some victories. But now you have to take advantage. You take that, right? You take that. And now you move it forward. And now take advantage of what you have coming up at home. That's what has to be done. And again, we well, this... To be fair, this goes back to last year. This goes back to last year. Knicks did not do well enough at home last year. Not well. They played well enough on the road. They didn't play well enough at home. So these are the games where the Knicks really, really need to be strong and take advantage of it. Because if they don't, that's where you look back at the end of the season. You think, oh, they did it again. They didn't play well enough at home again. And it cost them maybe even a play-in spot. I mean, this year, this year it's that tight. The margins are that tight in the East. Knicks, by the way, are only two games back of fourth place. That's how tight it is right now. That's how tight it is in the East. So there's, 
if there's any season for no days off, this is the year. <laughs> this is the year because the East is tight. It's as deep as it's ever been. And the West is tough, as always. But even the teams that aren't as good are tough customers, tough to deal with this year. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. And I'm going to be very intrigued to see how it all kind of plays out in the end. Very interested. I'm. It, the other thing, too, is that I think the Knicks are up for it. This is this is a road trip where you come off of it. There there were some tough parts. The the first quarter at Golden State, Phoenix runs you ragged. But overall, I think you have to be extremely happy with the way the Knicks handled it. They dealt with some injuries towards the end of it. As again, as you may expect, it's a very very difficult situation that the Knicks will have to fight through. Reddish has been instrumental. At the start of the season, Robinson's always important, so Hartenstein's going to have to fill in again, and he's done it well so far. And the other part that has to be taken into consideration as well is the simple fact that th- these things happen. Injuries happen during a regular season. You get Grimes back at a really good time. You really do. And... Hopefully he can shine like he did at times last year. This is his second year in the league. You're hoping for big things from him. And now we wait to to see how the Knicks handle this really tough stretch coming up. But luckily, again, a lot of the games are at home. Take advantage of those. Take advantage of those. Brunson's playing really well. Randall's, you know, again, having big performances. We'll get we'll get to the IQ stuff in a second with quickly. And a potential trade. And I think Derek Rose might be involved as well. We'll talk about that in the second half of the show. But, I mean, let me know what you think. At SJ7 on Twitter. Or, uh, if you don't want to hit me up on Twitter. At SJ7. You can go to postingandtoasting.com. Where I've been doing writing. It's been fun. I've, been, I've enjoyed that part of the work here as well. Um, go to postingandtoasting.com. Shock Shock Knicks podcast comment section as well. You can hit me up there. And, uh... I will try and get to those as quickly as possible. Again, I, I Twitter's the best place to find me. I don't always get a chance to check the comments. So at SJ7 on Twitter would be a good place to find me if you want to talk about those things as well. We actually have a little bit of time. So let me, let's touch on the IQ stuff and then we'll do State of the NBA in the second half of the show. Shams is reporting from The Athletic that the Knicks are quote-unquote willing to discuss an Emmanuel quickly trade uh, Derek Rose is someone the Knicks are potentially interested in moving on from as well. According to Fred Katz, he's reporting that, quote, according to sources around the league, the Knicks have targeted a future first-round pick in return for quickly, and before noting that IQ is about to become eligible for a contract extension in the summer. So we could see the Knicks shuffle things around in the backcourt. I, I think the Derek Rose one makes a little bit of sense if you can get something for him. But, you know, and and again, I'm somebody that um, is a little down on quickly only because he's inconsistent. But honestly, I I think right now you need him. You need Emmanuel quickly. I get the future implications of it, but for right now, it's hard to see 
getting rid of him right now. I think you do need him to perform. And I'll be very interested to see how that kind of works out. But for the time being, I don't think you get a, I don't I don't think you get rid of him. I, I get that he's eligible at the end of the season for a, a potential well, you know, business wise, you look at it and you think, well, we might have to fork over more money, right? Eligible for a contract extension next summer. But I I think that at least for the short term, right? Short term wise, in a perfect world, I think you gotta keep him. I think you need him right now. With the way the Knicks are banged up in the front court. So I beg your pardon in the back court. The way the Knicks are banged up in the back court. So very intrigued to see uh, what happens there. Again, that's my my two cents on it. There's not much else on it at the moment, but for right now, it's certainly going to be a talking point. Derek Rose as well. Tough part with him is he just can't stay on the floor as much as you'd want to see him shine consistently in a Nick uniform. And at times he has. At times he has, especially a couple of seasons ago. But for the most part, I really think that um, his time might be coming to an end because he just can't stay on the floor. IQ, it's just a, it's a consistency thing with him. He just can't do it consistently off the bench. And that is tough. It's a tough thing to do. But if you can't do it, you know you could definitely see a scenario where the Knicks uh, move on and try to find a uh, another future you know person future player at that position um that can get the job done so it's going to be it's going to be an intriguing um intriguing next couple weeks next couple months really be interesting to see where the Knicks stand uh going into next week and going into December but also when it comes to trying to improve the team so we get closer to that trade deadline in a little while as well. All right, I'll take the break here. When we come back, we'll talk about the state of the NBA as we get towards the new year. Month of December is obviously getting very close to that end of the first big chunk of the regular season where the Knicks fit in in the East. And we continue to look at the movers and shakers you know, in another year in a wild, wild Western Conference. We'll take a break. All that and more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, State of the NBA going into the holiday season. This has been a really interesting season in the NBA so far. Really interesting. I, I, I don't know quite where... Uh, to put certain teams right now. I remember we did a season preview at the beginning and we did a season preview. We ranked all the teams and and all of that stuff, but it is really fascinating to see where everybody is right now, how quickly it can change. The West, in, excuse me, in particular, is really interesting because when you consider the offseason, and where we thought certain teams would be, it's a little all over the place in the West. The East is a little bit more straightforward, and we'll get to that in a second, although there's a couple of teams out of place. Don't get me wrong. But the Jazz are still in second. You know, people were saying, well, here they go. They're taking on a little bit of water. They're still 12-7. and seven. They're, they're, they're the number two seed. Actually, beg your pardon, they're tied for first, technically, with Phoenix. 
And then the Kings are a half game back in third, tied with the Clippers. And the Pelicans are in fifth. The Blazers are in sixth. And actually, they're technically tied as well with Denver. And, and then Dallas is in eighth. Memphis is in ninth. You know, they're dealing with a little bit of injury trouble right now as well. Golden State is in 11th. Actually, I think I misspoke earlier. I said they were in, uh, I think I said they were in ninth or 10th. I forget. Regardless, they're in 11th. You know, we, we've already talked about multiple times the appalling season that the Lakers have had so far. They're one of the worst teams in the NBA to start this season. Uh, only a couple of teams have worse records than the Lakers. So it's been a rough year for, for LeBron and company. Now, you know, I think they're a little banged up as well as we expected them to be. Uh, but right off the bat in the West, extremely impressed with Utah we've talked about them multiple times and how good they are but I want to address the Kings I want to address the Pelicans as well and I do want to look at the Trailblazers because those are those are the three teams in the West that are surprising a lot of people so far and then we'll 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 point back over to the East because there's a few teams in the East that have been a a pretty you know a pleasant surprise so far but starting with the kings it's a rough life being a sacramento kings fan you know if you ever find one there's not many of them but at least outside of sacramento um they'll tell you that it's a rough life you know they, they don't make the playoffs very often and i actually don't remember the last time the kings were in the postseason i mean they had those those glory years in the 2000s, you know, with Bibby, with Weber, Stojakovic, um, and others, Divac, Vlade Divac, you know, they had some great teams. They really did. They, they, some say they were, you know, hoodwinked out of the Western Conference title uh, a couple of times by the Lakers, those NBA refs back then. Shady, but I digress. The, the Kings have always had a talented team. I, I don't think there's much debate over that. They've always had players on their team that have talent because they always take high draft picks. But now they have a, a good, a pretty good team. And again, it's early. You know, where most teams are 17, 18 games in. We haven't even, technically haven't even reached the quarter mark. I guess, I guess technically in some ways we have. But regardless, you know, it's still early in the season. There's a lot of games left to be played. But De'Aaron Fox is having another tremendous season. He's a player I, I thought would be a really nice fit with the Knicks before they uh, they got Jalen Brunson, of course, to fill that role. But De'Aaron Fox is averaging just under 26 points per game, six assists, uh, almost six and a half assists, and, and, and a, almost a steal and a half per game. He's having another tremendous season. But now he, he has a little bit of, of a Robin to his Batman in DeMontis Sabonis, who is averaging a double-double and has the same, nearly the same assist numbers and and things like that. DeMontis Sabonis has been a, a, a number one in Indiana. And now he joins a guy in De'Aaron Fox who has that number one kind of capability as a player. Former Kentucky product as well. And DeMontis Sabonis obviously comes from a, a basketball family as well. Those two guys are an, are a very interesting cornerstone kind of group to this team. 
Because then you throw in the 16 points from Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, who feels like he's been lost in no man's land in the NBA at times, but he's had had the moments with Golden State. Then at times he's played for teams like this and just doesn't get a whole lot of love as well. He's having another solid season. You know, I think this is I think this is Harrison Barnes' tenth year in the NBA, which is insane to think about. Because he was a high draft pick uh, by Golden State back in like 2012 or something like that. He, he's had a really strong career, but I think at times Harrison Barnes, you know, doesn't always get the credit that he deserves because of the fact that you know he doesn't always play for great teams, you know, but. You just look at the run that the Kings are on right now. And actually, I'm right, right as I'm talking about this, I just wanted to see kind of the journey that Harrison Barnes has been on. He was on the Golden State Warriors until 2016. You know, from 2013 to, uh, to 2016. He won a title with Golden State in 2015. Then he was with Dallas. And it just kind of didn't click at times when he was there, you know, at times they, they had a decent teams, but you know, nothing that really blew uh, anybody's socks off. And now with Sacramento, this is his fourth year, actually technically his uh, fifth year with the Kings. He was actually traded to Sacramento in the middle of the 2018, 19 season. So it's his fourth full year with the Kings. And again, doesn't always get the credit he deserves, but now he's kind of got a good team around him. That's kind of what I'm trying to, to get to here with, with these Kings and you throw in a little bit of Malik Monk, you throw in a little bit of Keegan Murray, who has started 12 games for the Kings this season, just got brought on out of the draft out of an Iowa team that won the big 10 tournament last season. And his younger brother is playing well for Iowa now this season. So all I'm saying is, I'm, uh, this is a two-pronged point, two-pronged point, I should say. Number one, maybe we shouldn't be as surprised as I think many people are that the Kings are where they are right now. And the only reason I'm saying that, I'm not saying they're going to stay there. I'm not saying that they're going to. Um, I'm not even saying they're going to make the playoffs. I think there's a lot of lot of season left, and teams are going to get healthy and and be okay at some points. I think they'll drop, but the Kings are really good. They're talented. They have some leadership on this team. They have guys that have been in big moments before on teams where they've had to be the leader on the team. You know, Sabonis and Herter have been in big playoff kind of games and atmospheres and, and things like that. So I'm not saying they're going to keep it up, but we'll keep a, we'll keep a lookout for the Kings as the season progresses, because I think they could be a play-in team. I, I really do. I, I don't think they'll make, I'm not sure they'll make the playoffs, but I think the reason that we have these thoughts on the Kings is because their organization is so poorly run. It's been so poorly run for decades, but every blind scroll, I guess, finds a nut or two, and they've got some good players here. Golden State is struggling. Memphis has injury problems. The Mavericks are not quite putting it together right now. And the Kings are taking advantage of it. The Kings are taking advantage of, I mean, the the Lakers are awful. They're taking advantage of a really 
uh, of a West where other teams are stepping up. Again, the Kings had an 0-4 start to the season. But Sacramento's won seven in a row, and look at who they've beaten during this stretch. From the beginning of November, November 9th, to now, they've beaten Cleveland, the Lakers, Golden State. They put 153 points on Brooklyn, beat them, crushed uh, crushed San Antonio, beat Detroit, and then went to Memphis and beat Memphis. And again, they're banged up, but... Give the Kings credit. They're on a heck of a run. They were 3-6 and six before the run started. They're now 10-6. and six, And they have looked good in doing so. Even before this run, they, they beat Miami. They beat Charlotte. They've had some decent wins, but look at the murderer's row of teams they've beaten in the last couple of weeks. So we'll see. Listen, you know, by the time this podcast goes out, they will have played Atlanta. They have Boston after that. Phoenix, Indiana. We'll get to the Pacers in a second. It's not going to be easy, but they've beaten some good teams. So I give the Kings some credit. Give the Kings some credit. New Orleans. They're 10-7. and seven. They're right there. They just crushed Golden State the other night. They crushed them. 128-83. Golden State on the road is absolutely dreadful. This is what I'm talking about. One and nine, and at times they've looked awful. Looked awful on the road. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, who has been out for three games, he returned, looked pretty good. For me, the Pelicans have always been one or two players away. One or two players away, and they've always had them at their disposal. They've just been hurt. (laughs) They've just been injured. You know, and Zion, they're going to have to manage him. But now that they've kind of got a four-headed monster with this team, you know, they're a little scary, New Orleans. Zion is healthy for the most part. Again, he missed the last three games before the Golden State win. Brandon Ingram has always been a stud in the NBA, just hasn't always had the right opportunities and the right team. C.J. McCollum knows how to be a really impactful second or third player on a team. He's been tremendous since coming to New Orleans. You throw in Jonas Valanciunas, who has played the similar role on good Raptors teams over the years that have consistently played in the postseason and had success in the postseason. And then you you even have a guy like Devontae Graham, who can be a strong player off the bench. And Larry Nance Jr. has had a solid season. Jose Alvarado, former Xavier player. Uh, Najee Marshall's on this team, making an impact. This this Pelicans team was dangerous in the postseason last year and they weren't fully healthy, weren't fully stocked with, with their talent. Now that they're kind of rounding into form, and I said this, I said this in the preseason, Pelicans are a team to watch. In the West, and and also by the way, C.J. McCollum's former team, Portland, where he where he was uh, played played really well alongside Damian Lillard. That they are, they're doing their thing. The, the Blazers have been arguably, you you could argue they've been the biggest surprise in the NBA. You know, now listen, 
Damian Lillard just picked up an injury. He's got a uh, a calf, grade one calf strain. So the Knicks actually won't have to deal with Damian Lillard. I said that in the first half. I wasn't sure if he was healthy or not. He's not. So the Knicks won't have to play the Blazers with a healthy Lillard. So again, you don't play a team at full strength, which again takes a little bit away. But Lillard's having another you know all-star season, as he always does. He's 32. He's going to be playing this way, I think, at least for another couple years at a high, high level. But it's 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 Anthony Simmons or Simons, I think. Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant. You still have Nurkic there. Josh Hart's a good player out of Villanova. And you bring in Shaden Sharp. Justice Winslow out of Duke is giving you some productive minutes as well. And and Nasir Little as well, former uh, UNC product. The Blazers have a team here that I, I think could push for the top six. And I I never thought that would happen, the way that last season ended for them, the way they somewhat blew it up and looked like they were going to trade Damian Lillard. I'm not sure the Blazers will do anything in the postseason. And that's the difference, I think, between the, the, the Pelicans, the Kings, and the Blazers. I, I put the Pelicans a little bit off to the side because... I think New Orleans could do something in the playoffs. I really do. They could make some noise in the postseason. I don't know about Portland and and Sacramento in that regard. If they get in, I'm not as sure. But if the Pelicans get in, I think they have all the pieces to make an impact and really surprise a lot of people. You know what's interesting about this segment as well? DeMontis Sabonis' former team is next. We shift to the east. I want to highlight a couple of teams there. The Pacers have been a big surprise so far. And they're kind of being bolstered by a big winning streak as well. They've won five in a row and seven of their last eight. Now, again, the difference here with Indiana is is their schedule. It's, it's a little bit of Cupcake City here, especially over the last couple of weeks. They lost a tight one to Denver. To be fair, before the, Den- the Denver defeat, they beat New Orleans, then they beat Miami, who has been a bit, bit of a of a, a, you know, they've had a rough time. Miami's been a bit of a downer so far this season. They've been underwhelming. But, and listen, they beat Toronto. Charlotte's banged up. They beat them. The other wins, though, are at Houston, who's the worst team in the NBA so far. And then they beat Orlando twice at home. And again, Orlando, and by the way, one of the, by the way, one of them was a one-point game. Very tight. So I'm saying Indiana, take it a little bit with a grain of salt on them because, they have a couple of good wins. They, they've beaten Brooklyn. They've beaten Miami and New Orleans. They beat Toronto. Charlotte, they beat, but they're banged up. But they're 10-6, and six, right? Beat what's in front of you. I will say, to, out of almost every schedule and, and run of form I've seen so far, the Pacers had a, had a pretty nice rub of the green. Not, not many tough teams on that run. But they've looked sharp of late. And if they can keep it going, they could be an interesting factor. But I really wanted to do this because I wanted to bring up the Wizards. And the Wizards are also being bolstered at a 10-7 by a nice run. But they've had some good wins during the run. Charlotte comes to mind. But Dallas, Utah, Memphis, Miami in overtime, and then Charlotte again. I hate to say this because... You know, when when Chris Tapps Porzingis left, I didn't want him to succeed uh, where he went. But Brad, Bradley Beal, KP, Kyle Kuzma, 
I'm a huge fan of Rui Hachimura. You throw Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga into the mix. Monte Morris and Will Barton. Uh, uh, Denny Avija as well. Or Avdija, I should say, as well. That's a tough out in the East. And that's where you look at the East. And I keep getting reminded every time I check where the Knicks are in the standings. The East is is 11 or 12 deep in a 15-team conference. It, you could argue it's 12 deep. For, for 10 spots. Obviously, Boston, Milwaukee, you know, you throw maybe Philly in there when they're right. Brooklyn when they're right as the top teams. But then you have Cleveland playing well. Atlanta's going to be there. The Knicks, Indiana, Washington, Toronto. And then the teams on the outside looking in even right now. Chicago has has plenty of capabilities if they can get things right. And it's the same thing with Miami. They're 7-11. and 11. But, and listen, they've lost four in a row. I don't know what's going to happen with them as the season goes on. But if they can keep it to get, like, plug some of the holes in the boat before it sinks, I think Miami will be okay, which means the East is dangerous. It's why the Knicks have got to keep it up, because the East is really, really tough. It's a beast of a conference this year. Whereas the West, I mean... I know Golden State is just there, so you can argue it's still it's 11 deep. I just feel like there's more pretenders in the West than there are in the East in, in, in some regard. Again, Indiana, a little bit of fool's goal, but Washington's legit. Toronto's going to be there. I think the Knicks, if they can keep it together, will be a factor. Whereas the West, I mean, can the Kings keep it up? It's very impressive what they've done, but can they keep it going? I think is a big question mark. You look at Portland, how much, how much, you know, without Damian Lillard, can they keep winning over the next couple of weeks? If they can, I, Portland will be there. You know, Denver's a little banged up, but Dallas will be okay. I think Memphis is, is banged up as well. You know, Utah, right? Can Utah keep it going? You know, will Minnesota be the same when they get back to 100%? Will Golden State ever win a road game again? It's unbelievable. But it just it's it's fascinating to see where everybody is. I, I think we kind of know what we're going to get out of OKC, San Antonio. In my opinion, they've lost five in a row. In my opinion, they've been a bit of a disappointment so far. I thought they'd be a little bit better than six and twelve, uh, to say the least. LA's been like the Lakers. That is, LA's been terrible. Lakers have been awful, awful, awful so far. They're zero and six on the road. They're the only team. They're the only team in the NBA that hasn't won a road game this season. And that's just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing to see what they've done so far this season. And they're 0-5 in their division as well. The Lakers are in big, big trouble. To be fair, they're only three and a half out of a play-in spot, but my gosh, is the West going to be tough to to get it back if they if they continue to, to go in this trend and, and go in the wrong direction. Fascinating stuff around the NBA to say the least. And on that note, that is going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. I will leave you to have your beautifully cooked Thanksgiving Day feast and your Thanksgiving leftovers as well. Enjoy the sports this weekend, whether it's on the court, on the pitch, anywhere and everywhere. There's sports to watch this weekend. We will reconvene in a week. Until then, Enjoy the Thanksgiving Day holiday weekend with your family and your friends, and I will talk to you all next time 
on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.